Hey there, this is the Jesus Drinks Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Rachi Yoshimura, and today I'm so excited that my friend Eric Wilson has agreed to be on our podcast for today. Eric and I go, man, way back now. Um, he was a spiritual mentor of mine when I was an undergraduate as pe- at Pepperdine, as well as just a spiritual director and someone I really looked up to as I continued on with my grad degree in ministry and started my own ministries at various churches. And so Eric is a spiritual director and mentor to so many, myself included. He's also the lead minister at the University Church of Christ located at Pepperdine's campus in Malibu. And he is also spoken word artist, as I'm sure you will hear in the way that he describes so beautifully and richly his relationship with God, his understanding of theology and life. And so I'm so excited that he's agreed to be here. Our conversation went really, really deep. So I decided to split our podcast for today into two parts just so we're able to really digest all the depth that gets brought up. So I'm so thrilled to show you part one of our conversation with Eric Wilson on spiritual formation. Today, I've invited Eric to come and speak a bit about spiritual formation because I've so loved our conversations um, outside of the recording (laughs) studio before this about that. But before we jump into that, as always, I love to just ask my guests a little bit about their background with their relationship with Jesus. Were you born and raised in a Christian home? How has kind of your development as a disciple been? Sure. Um, Great question. Good to talk to you. Happy uh, to be here, Uh, particularly if we put the word Jesus and coffee together. Those are two of my favorite things. So I'm happy, happy to talk about that, especially in light of spiritual formation. Um, Yeah, I grew up in in a Christian home. Um, it wasn't overtly Christian. It wasn't one of those families where we had a family devotional time every uh, night to impart spiritual truths. It was an environment where I saw faith lived out um, by the compassion that my parents had for uh, the lost. Ours was a home where We always had people living with us who were hurt, um, who, whether they were widows or whether they were cousins who um, had been abused or or, um, just people starting over. It just, my kitchen table was a sacred space where we not only ate, but at the end of the day, my father or my mother or both of them were having heavy conversations with people about life and they lived out their faith in really profound and very um, uh, practical ways. We went to church. We went to um, one of the first integrated churches in St. Louis and uh, it was a very diverse uh, community of um, and, and by way of color uh, by way of um, economic uh, standing, class, everything. We had very wealthy people, very poor people, and we were a community in love with Christ together, and some of my deepest relationships were formed there. But I also went to Catholic schools uh, growing up, and uh, during the summers I would spend uh, my summers in southeast Missouri, and my grandmother uh, was uh, uh, one of the mothers of this small little um, missionary Baptist church um, filled with uh, sharecroppers and um, the poor 
and um, people just trying to find faith the best way that they could in the midst of a lot of sickness, sadness, and oppression. It's a really rich experience. And so I took all of those things. And I've, I've often said I've always had a, uh, a deep, intimate relationship with with God. It's never not been a time that I haven't. Wow. Um, and I don't that's a gift that God gave me. I've never felt uh, distant by way of um, having to be introduced to God and introduced to the intimacy of God. Uh, I, I always remember as a child laying down at night and having conversation uh, with God. And I don't get how that happens to to me and not happen to others, but it's just been a thing. And there have been seasons where I got that intimacy kicked out of me because of church experiences mm, yeah. and things like that. But um those were very few and far between, and I've actively sought to reclaim any intimacy that was lost in that exchange and just trying to figure out ways of having a greater depth of intimacy with with God. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That makes a lot of sense now that I know you mm-hmm. as, as someone who has been formed by that background. Mm-hmm. Um, something I so admire about you mm-hmm. is kind of your ability to to see God and see the beauty in difficulty yeah. and pain, that those things aren't opposite. And knowing that a, a lot of your um, spiritually formative communities with your family, with your church, had a lot of that mix of like yeah. the glory of God in people's deepest pain and suffering. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. And it's, it's the only thing that I've ever known, mm, right? Yeah. And um, uh, the the Catholic uh, faith tradition gets the knock of uh, being overly uh, rooted in the suffering of Jesus as opposed to the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But as a, an African-American man born in the season where I, I was and in the, the times that I've been, I get the, the formative nature of suffering. Yeah. Um, but I'm also very fortunate that on this journey, I've seen the resurrections that come from mm, yeah. the the sufferings and the deaths that uh, we experience. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. I could take that in so many directions. <laughs> but before we get ahead of ourselves, um, what what is spiritual formation? I mean, mm. so many different people have yeah. defined it. But to you, when I say spiritual formation, what are some of the thoughts yeah. that come to your mind? Uh, a couple of things that, that come to mind. Um, I see God expressing Godness as community, as creator, son, Holy Spirit. Um, We don't have to figure out the math of it, just the oneness of God is the uniqueness of the Trinity in divine community as oneness. And um, based on this overwhelming grace, God invites each of us as individuals and as whole communities into that divine community. Um, But because of any number of reasons, we don't fit well in, in divine community. And so we have to be formed and shaped um, as the kinds of people that would fit well 
in that profound amount of intimacy, right? Right, yeah. Because you just can't walk into spaces of that much intimacy if you haven't been formed and shaped to be able to accept it, receive it, and offer it as well because that's part of the community itself, right? Yeah. That, that, it, that is the contract of community is that I will receive intimacy, I will offer intimacy, and we will walk in that. And so... Uh, we are to be formed and shaped as the kinds of people that could fit well in divine community or, as Jesus would say, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. OK. And so how are we formed? Well, we there are a number of things that we participate in to place ourselves in the trajectory of what God is doing in the world and whether that is um, worship or service, or hospitality, or justice, or liturgy, or whatever those things are that place us in the presence of the Holy Spirit, well, in the presence of God, where the Holy Spirit forms and shapes our character into the likeness of Christ Jesus, which then gives us the ability to fit well into that profound community of intimacy. And so we do um, a number of things. I, I, I think that God, uh, through the Holy Spirit, does the vast majority of the work. Uh, the little work that we actually carry out is placing ourselves in the trajectory of um, what God is doing, and uh, we can do that in any number of ways. Yeah, man, that is so rich, mm. so good. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, you know, with Scripture uh, in Romans, but other places will all talk about how we've been adopted mm-hmm. into the family of God, mm-hmm. that the spirit within us testifies yes. to that adoption to sonship. And so it's like through the sacrifice of Jesus mm-hmm. and his resurrection, we've been adopted into yeah. the family. But <laughs> if you're joining any type of family, yes. then you're new to it. It's like there is family culture. Mm-hmm. This is what it means to, yep. my last name's Yoshimura. This is what it means to be a Yoshimura. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. what it means to be a Wilson. Wilson yeah. Exactly. It's like, this is this is how we love. Yep. This is how we eat around the table. Mm-hmm. And so this is how we see ourselves. This is how we see each other. Mm-hmm. All of that. Yeah. And to not be formed into a Yashimura. Yeah. It, it, when you're in that house, there's some, it's, it's destabilizing. Right. Mm. And you can't really f- sit fully in your chair because there's something that just doesn't seem right. But at the very moment where you're being formed and shaped in, into the capacity to understand all of those things, all of a sudden, this is home. Mm-hmm. And God loves us enough to want to form and shape us to where being in divine presence feels like home. Wow, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that ain't loving to just snatch you up and place you in some foreign environment where you can't feel comfortable. And so God will go to great lengths. God has gone to great lengths and will continue to go through great lengths to uh, help us be formed and shaped. Sometimes that's suffering. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's joy. Sometimes that's... uh, God just breaking out in, in in beatific vision right before you. It's any number of ways that God does that, but it's ultimately to jar us to where we let go of the existing conditioning 
in order to live open-handedly to be able to be formed and shaped by the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit so that you can finally feel like you're home. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's such a beautiful goal and articulation of the goal of spiritual formation. Mm. But it's hard. It's so hard, but it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, I how didn't you said like it. saying it that way, but it is hard. Right. I mean, it, it, is, it, right. it is beautiful, but it is hard. Yeah. And I think it's probably like one of the, the hardest but most meaningful journeys mm-hmm. we could go on of, of opening ourselves, giving yep. God permission to transform us mm-hmm. so that he can allow us to feel at home yep. fully in his presence in this lifetime and in the next. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've heard you share kind of um, your framework for the different um, phases, probably isn't even mm-hmm. a right word for mm-hmm. that, but different moments, different seasons of the spiritual formation journey yeah. um, based on your reading in scripture. So I'd uh, love for you to, to yeah. share that with our listeners. Oh, okay, strap up because this is a long ride. I love I, it. It's so good. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, for the last 20 years, I've been doing research on the spiritual formation of young people. Um, I started off in campus ministry and I wanted to know what does this journey look like? Now to understand that journey, I had to understand the journey of what everybody's spiritual journey looks like to in order to, to drill down specifically to a certain age. So I was reading James Fowler. I was reading developmental specialists like Erickson and and Piaget. Then I started bumping into other people like um, uh, uh, Sharon Delos Parks and um, Ken Wilbur and Father Thomas Keating and all of them. And everybody had these amazing frameworks of how they understood the the spiritual formation of individuals in the formation of our consciousness, whether that is individuals or whole groups of people. And so I'm I'm drawing things on the back of envelopes and charting and graphs. And, and what I landed on was, wow, if you look at the biblical narrative, you can see the same stages of faith and consciousness play itself out through the structure of the Bible. So you first got this Edenic stage. This is the stage before we were even born where we have this intimate connection with God that we we don't know how we got it because we just existed in it. Uh, I often say it this way. There is in the mind of God a place where God holds all things holy. And it is this beautiful picture of your relationship with God before you were even born. Wow. Right. We were known um, by God. And talk, uh, Jeremiah is is told this. Um, other uh, others um, are told this throughout scriptures that I'm I'm no I knew you before you were formed, right? And so there, there's this Edenic stage, and then there's this break in the Edenic stage, uh, just usually because of birth, right? You know, <laughs> yep. that that uh, there is this built-in. A moment of transformation, growth, and um, movement where you can't stay in that. And so you start wandering and you move to this tribal stage of faith. Great stage of faith, important stage of faith, because this is where you learn right from wrong, up from down. Um, uh, Your identity is shaped by the group that you belong to. Um, Because 
you're in survival mode at that point. Society, you know, during, you know, the Paleolithic uh, era where, you know, dinosaurs, you, you got to survive. And, and, and so the best way you can survive is to be in a, in a group of belonging and you belong based on your your uh, acceptance of the beliefs of of the group. Right. Important stage. The only problem is it's a stage. It's not a destination itself. Okay, if you get stuck in that stage, that's where racism, sexism, xenophobia, all these things come because it's a very binary binary stage of thinking where you're either in your or out, you're either up or you're down. It's black or white, and you gotta learn that. You can't leapfrog over that. You gotta embrace that stage of your faith because when you stay in there, you gradually start having some questions. This is a scary point in the spiritual formation um, journey because your status of belonging is predicated on you never asking any questions. Mm, yeah. But them questions come regardless because you meet new people, you think new thoughts, all these things happen and they could be good. They could be wrong. I'm not putting any, you know, uh, connotation on any of that. You just have questions. A lot of people bury those questions because they're like, I got to belong. So I will never ask the questions. And then there's other people that says, no, I got to ask the questions. Then people start questioning whether you belong to the group. It's a dangerous moment. Because it sends you on another wandering period, you know, just like the children of Israel are wandering um, in, in, in the desert. But if you continue on, God will move you to the kingdom stage. It's the stage where questions are celebrated, where ambiguity is normalized where you start thinking and you, you still hold on to your convictions, but you have an, uh, the capacity to hold things not in black, so black and white, up or down, in or out sort of mentality, which gives you the capacity to love greater, right? Which then... You, you stay in that stage and then you begin moving and you ultimately get to the consummation stage, uh, the, the Revelation 21, the Revelation 7 moment where we are all one. Like Jesus talks about in John 17, where where we are one just as uh, he and God are one, where there is this return to this Edenic connectedness but now you know how you got there because you went through the journey and you got this wisdom that you function from and all it is a beautiful journey all predicated on us placing ourselves in uh, situations where we are in the presence of God where the Holy Spirit can form and shape us um, into the image of Christ likeness it also requires somebody to journey with you mm. right there are a lot of things that we can do, as I mentioned, uh, liturgy, worship, prayer, meditation, serving others, hospitality, doing justice, and walking with somebody that has walked a few steps before you, that is 
also signed up into the apprenticeship of Jesus and is willing to step back a few miles and say, hey, I've been up there about a mile or two ahead. Let me help you and show you what this looks like. And so this uh, the idea of of having a, a soul friend. You know, the Anamkara is 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 uh, somebody to journey with uh, uh, somebody in a discipleship relationship. That's somebody to journey with a spiritual director. That's somebody to journey with um, even uh, coaching right now is a, is it can be used as a means of journeying with somebody in faith. And those have a variety of different aspects of relationships. Some of them are formal. Some of them are informal relationships. Some of those relationships are predicated on a curriculum. Some are not, you know, but whatever it is, they're the people that are journeying with you on this spiritual journey to help normalize the rough parts and remind you to celebrate those moments that are to be celebrated. So that's kind of the framework that I use. These stages of faith that we naturally go through as individuals and, and whole groups of people and the partners that join us on that journey that ultimately lead us to living our lives as if we were Jesus in the world that we're in. Yeah. Wow. So good. I've heard you say that so many Mm. times, but every time (laughs) something new sticks out and it just Mm. blesses me. That's so good. Um, I would, I would love to just hear in um, your experience or I'm Mm. happy to share as well. um, What have been some important moments, memories, stories from your journey Mm. throughout that framework? Yeah. Um, Like, do you you remember especially um, trying time in the wandering or a place where you were stretched from, um, the tribe to the kingdom or, yeah. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the most dramatic, and I can give you an exact date. It was um, 2004. It was July 4th, 2004. Um, I was the minister of a church um, and was staff of four. And um, that was the Sunday three of the ministers quit on the same Sunday. Wow. I knew they were going to quit, but I didn't know it was going to be on a Sunday and the preacher did the sermon and we're coming towards announcements. And he says, Hey, I got another job in Florida. I'm out about, he sits down. The youth minister gets up and says, Hey, I'm leaving too. He sits down and the the community and involvement minister, he stands up and says, I'm leaving too. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> and so um, I'm the fourth oh gosh. staff member. So everybody turns and looks at me at during church and like, well, what's Eric going to do? And I just started sinking in the pew. I was just like <laughs> trying to make my six two frames as small as I possibly could. And um, one of the elders of the church uh, got up and said, uh, well, y'all, the good news is Eric and Sharita have uh, or will be staying and providing leadership for us. Oh, right. So you were informed at the same time the church was uh, straight up. <laughs> Sharita was to my wife oh, and she kicked me under the pew and was like, what did you tell him? I'm like, I didn't tell him anything. <laughs> and so that was this uh, moment. 
And Rachel, I I just did what I knew I had to do. I got up and I called everybody back up on stage, all of the ministers that had quit, all of the elders that were upset, and I forced them to hold hands. Wow. And I prayed, and I prayed so hard in front wow. of the congregation. I was like, God, this is a hot mess. You do what you do best. Then I looked at the congregation and I said, hey, there's a lot of visitors here because it's July 4th. <laughs> it's the first Sunday. Welcome to church. <laughs> Ta-da. So it's, it's, it's a big uh, uh, Sunday with a whole bunch of visitors. And I, I said, yeah, this is this is awful. And, and um, I apologize for it. But give us two years and come back next July 4th and see what God has done. Wow. And that church turned around almost overnight from a toxic place to a healthy place for a number of reasons. And I bring up the story not only because it's dramatic, but I was so out of my depth that the only thing I could do was rely on the Holy Spirit. Mm. Because everybody was so broken that they needed somebody to talk to, and I was the only minister on staff. (laughs) And so I'm meeting with people nonstop, and they're asking me really deep and profound questions. Now, keep in mind, I'd only been a campus minister for two years, and I really even – I wasn't even around the church building all that much because I was hanging out with college students at coffee houses and at my house and we were doing our thing and they they the whole congregation was really hurting and um I realized my role um was more than just a preacher and teacher it was someone to pastor the hurts of people and be a space for that whether they were angry whether they were disappointed whether they were hurting and my need for the trust in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't one of those things where it was a good idea. I had no other choice. Right. And the Holy Spirit showed up in profound ways in um, the recall of Scripture in providing wisdom beyond my age in the healing of people in front of me and healing of the community. And um, that was a, a really interesting time in my life because I did not have to question whether God was real and whether the Holy Spirit was active because I was seeing it every single day. And... Um, that was the the season that I moved into more intimate forms of prayer with God. So that was around the same time that I started um, meditation, Christian meditation. It was the same time I, I, I embraced my, my breath prayer that I've prayed for decades. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. And I breathe that in and breathe that out. And it moved me into a greater sense of intimacy and awareness of um, myself and my true self 
and how my true self is inextricably connected to the Holy Spirit of God that's in me. And I've relied on that since 2004. <laughs> yeah, and, that's beautiful. Um, God has been faithful ever since. Yeah, that's so that's so wonderful. Part of what I hear in that, and I think it's so true to moments in our spiritual formation, is there is a circumstance, right? You did not sign up for that. Mm-mm. You probably would have said, oh, no, thank you. That You <laughs> must good. have someone else. <laughs> I'm good on that one. Yeah, I do not want to sign up for that. Right. So, mm-hmm. there is, so there's some type of circumstance, mm-hmm. um, and especially difficult ones, yeah. right, um, that are outside of our control. But then there's this moment of invitation mm-hmm. of, okay, how are we going to respond to that? Yes. Because I think a lot of us would have turned and ran, would have yes. been like, oh, and I suppose I'm also going to leave because I do not want to captain the <laughs> right. ship <laughs> right exactly. now. Exactly, exactly. In the midst of the storm. Right, right. in the no. midst of the storm when everybody's bailing, right? Yeah. But there's this invitation of like, okay, mm-hmm. God, I can't see ahead. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. I don't even know that I'm equipped to do this. Mm-hmm. But all I know is I need you yeah. more than I ever have before. And so just an invitation to just show up. Yep. And be present to God. Um, me and my wife, we had this sacred moment today where um, we were pondering the idea that not knowing is the mystery. And the way that you face the mystery of not knowing is to confirm that which you do know. I don't know what I'm getting ready to get into, but I know God is faithful because yeah. I've seen God's faithfulness. I don't know what this is going to feel like and what it's going to cost, but I do know Jesus pays the cost, right? Yeah. And so we just reaffirm the little bit that we do know to be able to walk into mm. those things that we do not know. And God stretches our capacity to trust through that and forms and shapes our character into Jesus through those moments. Someone said it this way. We miss out on most of our resurrections because we are afraid of the, the, the cross. Wow. Right. Wow. We, we are willing mm. to sign up for the open and empty tomb, but we're not willing <laughs> to sign up for the cross. The that, yeah, yeah. The, the process that gets us to the open and empty tomb and to the resurrection. And so God in great love is just waiting to offer us these resurrections. But we don't want to die to the things that we need to die to to get to those resurrections. Because as you said so wisely, it's a process, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Well, there you have it. Part one of our conversation about spiritual formation with Eric Wilson. You can probably see why now why we had to split it up into two because that was just so rich. And if you're like me, you're going to need to listen to that back several times over and just sit, process, chew on things with the Lord. But thanks so much for tuning in. And I'm excited to give you part two of our conversation on our next episode.